Hey, and welcome to Product Journeys. I'm Frank Leisner. And I'm Lachlan Robertson. We're both product owners stumbling our way through our product journey. We're out to meet amazing product people and learn a bit more about their skills and their experience. Today, Lachlan and I are speaking to Miranda Adams. I want to apologize in advance. We had a few connection issues, but hopefully it doesn't degrade your listening experience too much. Miranda is a strategic problem solver with a business brain and a customer obsession. Having spent nearly six years in top-tier management consulting prior to joining Zero, she's used to hearing, that can't be done, and finding a way to do it anyway. Working in multidisciplinary agile teams to reimagine end-to-end services is her sweet spot. Ah, and she spent a year as an advisor to the Prime Minister of Serbia, so keep listening if you want to hear more about that. Welcome, Miranda. Thank you very much for coming on the podcast. We are going to start off by hearing a little bit about your background. Sure. Um, My journey's been one of jumping around a few different places. I studied economics, actually, and from there had a few analyst roles before moving into management consulting with Boston Consulting Group, which really required me to wear a bunch of different hats as a management consultant, you really need to be a generalist. And I was solving problems that varied from our prisons are overflowing in a particular state. Like, how do we solve for that? So really thinking like systems design kind of problems to something as simple and lighthearted as there was a surf company, their loyalty program wasn't really working particularly well for them. So how might we Uh, build loyalty amongst our customers. So very different types of problems I worked to solve in my time at Boston. Probably the most interesting thing I've done in my career today, and we can talk on this in length, but if you like, I'm really always very interested to share about my time in Serbia. So the opportunity presented itself probably after I'd been at Boston for around three years uh, to go and work as an advisor to Anna Brnovich, the Prime Minister of Serbia who, if you feel so inclined to do some research on, is one of the most incredible women I've had the privilege of working with. She um, is the first female prime minister of the country, also openly lesbian in what is a very orthodox country, incredibly progressive. And so I helped advise her on their digital transformation agenda over the course of a year, which was just fascinating. somehow got conned into coming back to Boston. Uh, I'd actually planned to move on to an advisory role in Rwanda, but honestly was feeling a bit culturally exhausted. And during my time in Serbia, had really fallen in love with human-centred design as an approach to policy design. And so Boston was starting up a design team uh, in Australia, and they asked me to be a part of uh, helping to set up that new functional skill set in Australia, in the market here and paid for me to go to design school. And so I I kind of recreated myself as a strategic designer and spent a couple of years in that role before uh, moving into product here at Zero. So come from uh, very much like a business analyst strategy mixed with design background into product. Very cool. So just to play that back a little bit, so Zero was your first step into the product title uh, officially such? like yeah, it yeah. is the first role that has had the title product in it unofficially 
working at Boston Consulting Group, I was often working alongside the product managers there. And certainly because I brought that blended skill set of business strategy and design, I was often playing translator and connecting the, the dots between those different groups and helping shape the vision of the product and making product decisions. So officially, yes, uh, but unofficially, that's a role I'd played many times in teams. That's amazing. I'd love to have a long conversation about your time in Serbia. I was there, I was in <laughs> Europe for five years and traveled to Serbia. It's amazing. So yeah. It's a great country. Mm. Yeah. But I'll focus more on systems design and human-centered design. Have you used those at all in your product role at Zero, or how do they play into what you do now? Hmm, that's a great question. So systems design is a lot about connecting dots and end-to-end experiences. I work in the formerly known as GSUP, but now known as Small Business Product Experience Team, uh, and we work across a lot of different spaces thinking about experiences that span really multiple different teams and a lot of the time our customers are internal. So we would have the platform team, the partners team, various different people. And so in that way, yes, I would say that I use that systems thinking to redesign end-to-end experiences. Um, Probably haven't operated at the same level of systems that I was operating in at Serbia, for example, where we're thinking about redesigning the foster care system, which is obviously a whole different scale. But on a smaller scale, yes, I would use that thinking. And human-centered design, most certainly here at Zero, we call our design practice and we talk more about customers, but that would be analogous to human-centered design. Are there any other skills that you found particularly useful that you've brought into your previous roles? Because it's they just sound completely different in a way, but I, I'm sure they're not really. There's certainly a lot that carries. So, for example, uh, when you're working in senior levels of government, a lot of your roles is around stakeholder management. And I worked, as I mentioned, reporting directly into the Prime Minister. She had roughly 80 priority projects that formed part of this digital transformation agenda. Um, So a huge part of my role was actually coordinating across multiple different ministries to ensure delivery on those core outcomes that she was looking to achieve or across those projects Uh, and certainly at zero it's a monster of an organization there's lots of different moving pieces and so being able to manage stakeholders and align various different people with various different objectives or kpis that are central to their role um, and align them to a broader objective is very true of product management. I think a lot of the time that that is our role is yeah, communicating across a broad group of stakeholders who have different core outcomes they're trying to achieve and aligning them to what we're also trying to achieve, particularly in my space. So stakeholder management definitely carries. That's, that makes perfect sense <laughs> when you put it that <laughs> way. Um, you mentioned economics, right, as, as one of the mm-hmm. things that you originally started and then getting into consulting as if it, like, the transition into those and I guess consulting as a skill set, I imagine that's also quite helpful as a product person now. Yeah, hugely so. And actually one of the things that you learn really quickly in consulting, consulting particularly at um, BCG, McKenzie, Bain is sink or swim. 
And so you learn very quickly because you're often having to solve huge problems in a very short space of time to figure out what are the most important pieces and do some quick, dirty, like back of the envelope analysis to identify where your focus area should be uh, and then delve into those and recognize that there's some things that you'll miss along the way. So that 80-20 rule very much applies in consulting. And I think it's hugely helpful to have that pragmatic view as a product manager also to help your team focus on the things that are the most important. The other skill set that I think you really have to master in management consulting is storytelling and being able to frame up decisions to very high-level executives in a compelling way that allows them to understand the various trade-offs of different decisions that they could take. Ultimately, it's their decisions to make that you need to present them in a, um, a very easy-to-understand way. And again, that skill set, I believe, to be one of the core skill sets of any product manager is to be able to tell really compelling, clear stories. Storytelling, we hear a lot, is one of the key skill sets. What other key skills do you think for like a newbie product owner to focus on in their career if they were going to want to move into a product manager role? What do you think are some key things for them to focus on? Yeah, my number one answer would be storytelling. I think that certainly becomes increasingly important the more senior you become to be able to tell a compelling story and align people behind it. So that would be what I would first and foremost focus on. And there are real tools that you can use to do that. The other key skills, it's part of storytelling in a way, is being able to take a lot of complexity and and make it really simple and frame that directly for the right stakeholders. So I think perhaps when you're working at the PO level, you're mostly communicating to the same audiences or to peers, whereas at the PM level, you need to be able to communicate down to your team. You need to be able to communicate across to other PMs, POs across the organisation. You need to be able to communicate up. Um, And every different stakeholder is going to have a very different thing that they're looking for or answer they're looking for (laughs) in what you're sharing um, as your preferred path forward, for example. So learning how to frame things differently for different audiences is probably something something I've been working on with with my PO, um, is bringing her into more of those senior conversations and having her see and practice how to frame things differently for more senior audiences. Because it might be the same, ultimately the same story or key takeaways, but that person's going to be needing to hear it in a very different way from the devs in the team. Storytelling, distilling complexity, I guess, is kind of what I translated there. Any any other things that are on your mind as key skills? I suppose the other key shift is as a PO, I would say you're generally responsible for making sure that you deliver the outcomes we need to deliver now. I would expect that PO is also starting to think about what's coming next, so where the product is going and say in the next quarter. Certainly as a PM, I spend a lot more time thinking through the next and then later, like thinking even beyond the half, two, three years time, where do we want to be? And so that ability to stretch your vision further than what is um, right in front of you and also be able to communicate across those different time horizons and work across those different time horizons is is a skill. Uh, It means not just always focusing on what is urgent and burning and on fire at the moment, but also thinking through 
like what is the strategic but important, not urgent, but important that will come later. And if the PMs aren't doing that thinking, then <laughs> you find you deliver what you're most focused on now and have nowhere to go. That's very true. It's like the um, matrix of urgent, important, important schedule. It's got, you yeah, got to fit your yeah. roadmap into that almost. I love storytelling comes up again and again. I don't know if either of you saw the talk last week in the community of practice. If you haven't, go back and have a look. It's awesome. But Miranda, how have you developed your storytelling? What tips have you got to develop storytelling? Because it's hard, I think. I would actually say it's relatively simple. That's good. (laughs) (laughs) I mean, there's a few key principles that you have to learn. For example, the pyramid principle, using SCQ, which is this idea of setting the situation, starting somewhere where everyone agrees. It's very common ground. We understand that this is where we are today, for example. It could be the current state. Uh, Then framing up what the complication is so what's the the core of the problem that we're trying to address what's the complexity here and then coming in with either a question that you're you're poising to the group to solve for that problem or more often a resolution so this is our proposed path forward to deal with this complexity and that's what you need to align people around Uh, so that very simple framework i now almost use without thinking even when sending an email, but you would see it if you looked through presentations, I give up to kind of the Anna level, like it's all there in having that clear story arc always. I mean, there's various other elements, but I would say if you understand the pyramid principle and you understand using SCR, then those are fundamental pieces. In terms of how you actually communicate that story, I feel very blessed to have grown up doing drama. I actually taught drama for a number of years in a school. And so being able to communicate effectively is something that I've been trained in since I was very, very young. Awesome. Very helpful. Super helpful. But genuinely, like, give improv a go. Like, there's lots of adult improv classes. There's other creative endeavors, or even if you're more inclined to writing or storytelling. I did a course in genuine creative writing and storytelling last year that I found hugely helpful in my corporate life also. Don't discount those as... (laughs) Um, irrelevant to the corporate world like they very much have been helpful for me in my my journey of how to express okay we've just talked through tools frameworks and other things like that I guess within your journey through products so far have there been any big lessons that you've had or things that you've reflected upon afterwards being like oh (laughs) could have done that differently or just things that you've learned I mean, there's been many things that I've learned along the Do way. You have any- oh, here's an interesting one. We recently ran an experiment in our team to essentially we were building something into the zero buy flow, uh, which is obviously very commercially sensitive. And so the business wanted to have confidence that what we were, were doing wouldn't have serious impact on conversion rates. And so we set up an experiment, essentially test that hypothesis that it would have a neutral to slightly negative impact uh, and size that and up front we had an idea of what we wanted to learn from the experiment what we needed to understand and set up the data collection and unfortunately when that data came back it wasn't as reliable as we thought it would be it didn't go to the level of granularity that we we needed to answer some of the questions that we had and so my my learning from that 
it's actually figure out before an experiment or prototype pilot what are the the things you need to learn even write a draft story of what those end findings will look like with a lot of x's in it and then test with real data from your experiment whether it will be able to answer those questions for you beforehand you'd be amazed you can really write the story of what you want to find out before you start not to say that you'll have the answers but you'll have that story arc there and test whether your approach and what you're doing and the data tracking that you're setting up will actually answer those questions for you it's really cool i've it reminds me of the press release i think google does is it google oh no amazon oh, amazon. amazon yeah, yeah amazon. Ah, it's like one of those yeah. big companies yeah so you, yes. is that yeah cool i've i've never done that before but it definitely sounds like something worthwhile to do yeah i think particularly for me too because i'm still relatively new at zero i joined in august last year and for example some of the data systems are new to me and so it's a bit unknown what they'll actually be able to provide and doing that test beforehand is just a way to verify that you are going to be able to learn the things you need to learn yeah cool one of the things that pops to my mind like you mentioned with GSAP working on more internal focus tools and products and offerings. Do you find that that sort of shapes or changes your approach versus a typical external customer facing uh, product? Mm. I was actually quite explicit when we were setting out OKRs last quarter. You generally set your outcomes in terms of what you plan to deliver to your customers, right? And so I posed the question to our team who are who are our customers. And for us, there are changes we make, like for example, to that buy flow that the end customer does see. So there is the end zero user, but our customer is also the regulator. Uh, and then our changes affect multiple different teams. And so those teams are also our customers. So when we articulate our success and the outcomes that we're trying to drive, we need to have in mind all those various different customers. And so when we do customer research too, for example, we were looking at the quality of industry data across zero uh, and our customer research meant talking to 20 plus various different internal stakeholders across zero who use industry data for different things. Makes sense because I, I work on a team that's focused on delivering internal stuff to zero as well, like through monitoring. And it, it is kind of that interesting trade-off of trying to meet everyone's needs and sometimes you can't do that fully it's kind mm -hmm. of interesting to hear that absolutely mm. we talked about a lot of different i suppose frameworks or even systems designs are there any ones that you fall back on in particular or that you've used a lot since you've worked at zero the one that i continuously come back to is dvf so desirability viability and feasibility uh, and that is whenever you're considering any solutions and weighing them up against each other, I would always have a, a view on whether they're desirable for the customer, high, medium, low, uh, whether they're viable for the business, so how much are they going to cost, for example, um, or how much revenue might they drive, and whether they're feasible to achieve. So what's the build effort involved? Are there any legal complexities that are going to stop us from being able to implement this? Those three criteria for assessing solutions have served me very well over, I would say, the last five, six years. 
Nice. Yeah, that's a very good one. It's very simple as well, which I think is helpful. Exactly. Love that. To, I guess, reflect back on your career thus far, do you have any big accomplishments that you're super proud of or go-to things that you're like, yeah, just stoked with how this one panned out? <laughs> uh, there is one that definitely stands out to me as being the most meaningful thing I've been a part of in my career uh, and that was during my time in Serbia uh, I worked with Gregor Virant who is outrageously intelligent he actually elected as the Prime Minister of Slovenia and somehow the Serbian government stole him for a while and I had the absolute privilege of learning from him he is really pioneering in Eastern Europe this idea of reform by life event uh, rather than by reform by department. So reimagining end-to-end the experience of, for example, having a baby. Uh, and that was actually the life event that we ran with first. It was really interesting when he presented that to Cabinet as the proposed life event that we should reimagine. The individuals in Cabinet who largely consisted of middle-aged white men all said, oh, no, it's, it's actually super easy having a baby in Serbia. Like, my wife had no dramas. Fine. You're like, yeah, mate, that's because your wife went to the best private hospital in Belgrade and you also paid someone to do all your paperwork for you. Like, that is why that was a really pleasant experience for her. Whereas what we were able to prove through research is that the majority of women had to travel up to five, six hours to, to reach a, a quality hospital and then within two days of giving birth were required to be back in their hometown to present themselves physically at the police office and say, this is my baby, this is my husband, can we please register for a birth certificate? They had to visit on average five different offices and fill out seven plus hours of paperwork uh, just to get their baby registered for a birth certificate, health insurance, like to have health care, to have access to education, all these things. And so what you had was actually a large number of babies in Serbia not being registered uh, because if you had complexities during birth and it was incredibly painful to travel on dirt roads all the way back to your village within two days and so a lot of families in these rural areas didn't go through that process and so what we were able to do was to take all those various different forms and questions that were being asked across five differences find the commonalities eliminate those things that were there because they'd been there for the last 40 years and arrive at a questionnaire that took less than 10 15 minutes uh, a nurse would ask those questions in hospital they would be entered into a system that system would flow through to all the various different agencies that needed it and by the time the family arrived home whenever that might be they had a birth certificate they had their registration for healthcare in their mailbox or if they had email sitting in their email and that for me was easily like the most impactful thing that i've been a part of yeah that's just an incredible story that's awesome and i get like i guess for me just like the pure focus on the customer or the user experience right right yeah yeah and understanding it full into in each of those touch points kind of in depth which I, th- I think we don't do a great job on necessarily but there is definitely ways to improve that and that's really where i fell in love with human-centered design because I saw how powerful a tool it was 
particularly when the lives of the people using services are just so very different from the lives of the decision makers to be able to elevate those stories and design systems around the people who are really using the services to me was hugely purposeful work. Yeah, I like that. That's awesome. Yeah. Oh my gosh. So many stories. Well, my, my biggest one was just going to be, I want to learn more about these things, but I have no idea where I should start looking. So <laughs> if you have any go-to things, um, we'd love to get those. Sure. Unfortunately, a lot of the work I did in Serbia is written in Cyrillic. So that might be difficult to pass on, but there are certainly <laughs> some other resources available. Yeah. I like that. Thank you. Um, Miranda, for you, if you had to describe the role of being a product manager to someone, how would you describe that? It's a million-dollar question. I have heard so many different answers to this question, and I'm still arriving on my preferred. I quite like one definition I heard, which is that product managers are professional dot connectors, and I think that's quite true. We connect various different people across the business who might be able to align around creating change. We help team connect what they're doing now to what is coming next in the broader vision we help connect products to make sure they're connected to the customer uh, and the customer's needs and wants and desires so it's a lot of connecting dots it's amazing isn't it all the different descriptions that people come up with it but i i like that one a lot like the glue which is another one that i hear yeah cool All right, uh, let's move into some rapid fire questions then. Um, What is a book or an article you would recommend? Oh, so many. You can have several. (laughs) (laughs) The one that actually jumps to mind is I've been reading a lot lately about the value of beauty, uh, both in our natural environments and our created environments. And there's an article on The Atlantic called Eat, Sleep, Make Art. Uh, And it's essentially articulating that art should be a habit and not a luxury and highlighting that beauty and creating uh, is just as fundamental to living a full and happy life as sleeping and eating. Amazing. I love it. Yeah. Similar, I guess, question. Do you listen to any podcasts? And if you do, do you have any go-to? I do. I listen to a few of them. In a similar vein, I would actually say my favourite podcast consistently over the last year has been The Deep Place, uh, a podcast on spirituality and creativity uh, that Joel McCarrow, who's one of my favourite performance poets, leads. It's just very contemplative. They have amazing guests and largely local Australian artists, which I think is a great particularly in the current environment. It's so unfortunate that it's dropped off in COVID time as well. And I think that, as you say, it's it's actually so much more fundamental, I think, than people give it, that it's valued in society. So it's really mm-hmm. cool hearing a different view. What are you most grateful for? <laughs> The immediate thing that jumps to mind is my partner, Polo. I am incredibly grateful for him. Even just this weekend, I'm up in Queensland and it's been a lot of rain. <laughs> so I'm very grateful for someone who'll put on gumboots and um, and help clean up my garden with me. 
<laughs> he also is a barista and consistently makes me outrageously good coffee. So very very handy in lockdowns like that. Indeed. <laughs> nice. Final question. Uh, do you have any key takeaways or calls to action or just final thoughts that you'd want to share with people? Stay curious. Ask lots of questions. I think one thing that I'm always endeavouring to do is follow my curiosity and lean in to, to spaces and places that I don't understand so well in order to understand them better. The other thing that I've, I've learned from Helen, actually, who works in our risk and regulatory team, she has a bit of a saying, which is trust and verify. And I think that as a PM, that's incredibly useful. So you trust your team entirely, um, but you also verify. And so where there are things that you don't understand, you're not sure why certain decisions have been taken or the data feels slightly off, follow that curiosity, ask more questions, lean into it rather than shying away from those areas that maybe you worry that you're not as competent in or you don't understand as well. Awesome. That was really interesting. I, As I say, I've got many more questions out of that, but we'll call it there. And thank you so much again, Miranda, for joining us. You're very welcome. It was a pleasure meeting you both.